minutes past two, hour three of what is normally the Pete Callender program, but today it's JD for Pete, Hayworth for Callender. So excited to be in and hopeful that uh, Brother Pete can find that voice again. As I mentioned at the outset, uh, we have a situation where uh, in, in broadcasting, it is akin to Superman encountering, well, kryptonite for a broadcaster to lose his voice. So that, uh, that creates some challenges. I, since we, we were talking about the Senate race, and we also heard, uh, we also heard talk about Joe Biden going to Pennsylvania to campaign for the Democrat nominee there, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. And John is an interesting guy. What he's a giant of a guy, six eight, bald, um, does not wear standard campaign stuff usually in a hoodie and people have criticized him as a trust fund baby and all this stuff and basically buying the mayor's job in little uh, Braddock PA uh, and uh, just being a big time uh, to the left of Bernie Sanders my question is can you imagine Biden and uh, this Democrat nominee on the stage together today, given the cognitive problems. And look, I'm not trying to make fun of uh, Big John. You know, the guy suffered a stroke. And that's tough. That A sympathy vote for a guy with a stroke? That's kind of curious. That's going on in Pennsylvania. And everybody said, well, Dr. Oz versus this Fetterman guy. Okay. Closer to home again, the North Carolina race for the Senate. Now, you and I have spent some time together. In fact, I remember the first big poll of the summer. I was on uh, for my buddy Vince on what we call that Carolina's combo cast from Tyndall Noon, back when one of the big polls had come out. And the talk was uh, there had been there had been a shooting somewhere, not in North Carolina. But boy, the numbers then were all for Sherry Beasley. And oh, it was going to be tough for Ted, but it was the first, as I recall, the first major poll of the general election campaign. And the thinking was, I remember the CBS affiliate in the Raleigh-Durham area sat down with a, a, a political science professor at Meredith who said, yeah, this, this could be very tough. And now we've had that horrible tragedy over in Nightdale, close to Raleigh, and we just heard about that in the newscast. Remember, polls are snapshots in time. Now, I'm just, um, I'm just wondering, do you think the numbers will change because you hear the advertising, and it sounds like Ted Budd, and look, you know, you take a look. Are you are you tough on crime? Are you soft on crime? Do you support the Second Amendment or do you not support the Second Amendment? Uh, and and the advertising for Bud is all out there. But I'm just kind of curious. Has anyone's vote 
changed in the Senate election based on this horrible mass shooting up in Nido. Just want to get your thoughts on that. 704-570-1110. Very curious about that. In the meantime, others are calling in to talk about early voting. This is kind of the thing we have kept open uh, in, in all uh, for the whole show since today is the first day of early voting in North Carolina. And I told the story before the break about a guy who was a down-the-line Republican who uh, actually ended up voting for Biden. And this is one of my old voters in Arizona. So Joe wants to address that. Line two, Joe, welcome to WBT. Hi, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I go by what a person does when he's in office. Right. Because all this talk you hear about ex-president trump and all the things he said a lot of it it turned out it was all fabricated we know that uh for example that barack obama on public television thought he was not online and he whispered to a, a putin representative tell putin i'll have more flexibility after the election and the news media covered that up well, to be fair, they ran it, but they minimized it. It was like no big deal. It. Yeah, and and they made up stuff about Trump. The, the the collusion was between Joe Biden. Well, between uh, the people that wanted Joe Biden. Well, it was very interesting. Recently. Yeah, you know, when, when I look back at what at what uh, Trump calls Russia, 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 it's pretty obvious to me that uh, you had a situation in government where Hillary Clinton was throwing a fit. And so her, her uh, opposition research was used by the FBI to create this whole hoo-ha. There's nothing to it. And what's really upsetting to me, Joe, is that both the New York Times and the Washington Post got Pulitzer Prizes for their coverage of all this hoo-ha, and even though it was proven false, they've hung on to the Pulitzer Prizes, and people continue to masquerade under the notion that somehow this is reality. You know, the biggest thing going on, uh, Joe, is this. When you listen to talk around Washington, and especially on the left, they talk about a narrative. We have to establish a narrative. What is a narrative? It's a story. It's spin. It's not fact. And that... Well, uh, go ahead, sir. I, I want to tell you about something that happened a long time ago. And I lived near Washington, D.C. when this happened. And I'm not making this up. Uh, one of Nixon's subordinates fell in love with one of the... They're called escorts in D.C. We know what they are. Uh -huh. And he wanted to marry her, and uh, it was a prostitute. And his people broke in to the Watergate to take out any records of the guy. I won't name him. One of uh, Nixon's subordinates. And uh, the reporters that reported reported they didn't report on that at all. They, they knew that was what happened, and they made a big lie out of it to punish Nixon. 
Well, I, you know, that's the theory that's out there, and that have, we'll. I'll go ahead and name names. You're talking about John Dean, and yeah. uh, and his wife Mo Maureen Dean, and that, there was a whole book written about that. And I can't vouch for the veracity of that. I know there's a whole book about that, but um, I do well, believe there's a very co- okay. Go ahead. I'll finish the point. Go ahead. I, I was in the service, and I dated a girl in D.C was the secretary to the governor, to one of the, uh, the senators from one of the states, West Virginia, and she told me stuff you wouldn't believe. Well, let's and see, that narrows it down. You had two guys in the Senate at that time from West Virginia. It would have been either Robert C. Byrd or uh, Jay Randolph's dad, Jennings Randolph. Where I know Jennings Randolph stipulated in that office no women in pantsuits, and that was well, made. Why, yeah. Why do they believe the people believe what what the, the press fades up? It turns it turns out it's a lie, and they're they're going to vote the other way anyway. Yeah. Just, I, I don't get it. Well, it's like something else that happens. And thanks for the call, Joe. And nobody misunderstand me. I'm not impugning the call we took last hour from Noel. All I can tell you is my experience as a candidate for office, as a guy who held innumerable town halls, and usually the left will show, I'm not saying this is what Noel was doing, but more often than not, I'd be a guest on a talk show, or I'd be doing a town hall, and somebody would come in, they'd say, Congressman, I've been a Republican all my life. I am a conservative, I am a Republican, but I'm not going to vote for you. Now, does that happen, to borrow Mr. Jefferson's phrase, in the course of human events? Yes, it does. But it's also used as what? A narrative. Again, not pointing fingers at anybody who called, just telling you about my personal experience. More of your calls straight ahead, 570-1110. 19 minutes past two, Brett Winterbull follows me at three, well, following the news at three, here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth in for Pete Callender. And you continue to comment on politics as it's the first day of early voting in North Carolina. 704-570-1110 across the width and breadth of Metrolina and toll free from any place. 1-800-928-1110. Talk to Joe. Joe was basically asking, why does it always seem that the press does the bidding of the left? I've got some thoughts on that, on an issue that uh, geographically is close to me, and I think so important to all of us. Heck, I wrote a book about it several years ago. Uh, right now, on line three, let's welcome Alan to the program. Hi, Alan. Hey, J.D., how you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Good to hear from you. Uh, hey, I, as a candidate, I think Federer is probably... Uh, making a smart move by having the president come up there and stump for him as, you know, there's some question about Federer's cognitive ability as he recovers from a stroke. So, Fetterman, um, this is this is a stroke of genius, pardon the pun, a stroke of genius bringing in Biden 
because next to Biden, Fetterman looks like he's got it in control, even though he's a stroke victim? Or is this because you heard the names that Mrs. Fetterman has been calling people uh, saying, hey, look, we're sorry your husband has a, tr- a stroke. And she says, you're just an ableist. You've got to be able to do this. You're picking on a disabled person. Are they trying to play the sympathy angle? Or is Fetterman trying to play the competence angle as opposed to Joe Biden? I don't think you lose on either one of those fronts. I think it's a brilliant move. He cannot look weaker than Joe Biden will look. Uh, so I, I think that it's you know easy comparison for people to make, and if the president is capable of performing the duties of the president uh, in his current capacity, well, then he can perform the duties of a senator in his. Oh, okay, so it's kind of like the Bill Clinton rule way back in the day in 92 when Clinton said, yeah, I smoked marijuana a time or two, I didn't like it, I didn't inhale, and suddenly all these guys came out and said, well, yeah, you know, I experimented with it. It became an inoculation. So now, rather than being a problem for Fetterman, now that we have Joe Biden, look at poor old Joe. He's about three bricks shy of a load, but he's he's in the White House. People's expectations are lower for a guy like Fetterman, so he'll be better off for the Senate, basically, is what you're telling me. I believe that to be true. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if it is or isn't, but I don't know of a whole lot of other Democrats that are asking Joe Biden to stump for them. That's true. Because well, Joe went out to way. Oregon. Joe went out to Oregon because there's a three-way race for governor. Plus, it's all uh, it's all vote by mail in Oregon, so the D's can probably hang on there. And given. Uh, I'll call it issues with voter integrity in Pennsylvania. When you take a look at Pennsylvania, Republicans have to win by connecting the big T. In other words, the northern tier of the state right down through the center of the state because there in the east you've got Philadelphia and in the west you've got Pittsburgh and uh, still a lot of union guys do the Democrats bidding. So, you know, in Philadelphia, remember in 2020, we knew there was going to be trouble there because they wouldn't even let Republican poll watchers in to some of those urban precincts. So, yeah, maybe maybe they're going to thread the needle in PA. It's an interesting theory. I got to tell you that, Alan, you've opened my eyes to it. And I thank you for the call. Uh, Line one, Frank, a Republican who is for Beasley. Is that that right, Frank? Oh, Frank is gone, but he left us the message. Gee, was his departure timed with when I talked about the curious... Oh, well, never mind that. I'm not here to impugn anybody's integrity. I can just tell you that having been there, having done that, especially in a, in a tough race, and when the numbers break your way... You're on the radio, and you get, I've been a Republican all my life. I'm a conservative, but I'm not with the Republican candidate this time. Is that true in some cases? Uh, no doubt. But it's just kind of interesting how, how that can happen. Hey, the other thing about any race, given the momentum of where the two different parties are headed, Everybody's been paying attention to the Pennsylvania Senate race because there's Dr. Oz, who, of course, irony of ironies, was introduced to us uh, by Oprah Winfrey back in the day as part of that whole talk show thing. 
So Dr. Oz steps away from that, runs for the Senate, wins a hard-fought nomination for uh, the Republicans in Pennsylvania. Fetterman has his stroke. Everybody's concentrating on that. And they think that uh, the, the race for governor in Pennsylvania ain't no big thing. That the Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, given again what I talked about in the major metropolitan areas, uh, they will be rock-solid Democrat. Well, you know, Doug Mastriano, who has been guts up on the border, uh, a guy who served in the military for 30 years, he got his chance to speak last night on the Fox News Channel, and I'll tell you, just the way he set up the issues, I think, was very effective. Uh, and again, this is me. This is, <laughs> this is a guy who has served as a Republican in public office. I thought Doug made a pretty good case. Let's take a listen to cut five. It's about restoring individual freedom. So on day one, we're going to rip away the restrictions on our energy sector. We're going to drill and dig like never before. We're going to be added a carbon tax. We're going to restore common sense to the commonwealth. And that means no more boys in the, in the girls' bathroom. No, no more boys on the girls' team. On day one, we're no longer a sanctuary state. When those ghost flights show up, our beautiful Pennsylvania State Police will escort those busloads of, of illegals down to Delaware. Joe Biden can have them. Well, there you go. All I'm saying is this. Based on what I'm hearing, and again, the whole strategy for Republicans, for conservatives in Pennsylvania is the big T across the northern tier and central Pennsylvania. And you kind of whatever votes you can pick off in uh, suburban Philadelphia and likewise in Pennsylvania, headed over to the West Virginia border and Ohio, whatever you can do right there on the state line, you grab. But I'll tell you, Doug Mastriano sounds pretty good. And don't forget the aforementioned Western Pennsylvania. We talk about, we, we think about the, uh, the resources in the Western United States. Remember John D. Rockefeller and the big oil barons of the late 19th, early 20th century. They weren't offshore. They weren't down in Texas initially. They weren't in Oklahoma or in Kern County, California. They were in Western Pennsylvania. And when Biden came in, we're going to do the Keystone Pipeline, we're going to get rid of fossil fuels. Well, you, you saw how that worked out, huh? Oh, speaking of energy policy, a former governor of Michigan, with whom I used to work on Al Gorth. Uh, what was the name of that network? I've even forgotten now. The Lefty Network. I was the token Republican. Jen Granholm is now the Secretary of Energy under Joe Biden. you got to hear her try to make excuses for raiding the strategic oil reserves again. Take a listen to Cut 6. No, this is a wartime footing. The president declared an emergency back in March when we first decided that we would be releasing a million barrels per day. Why is that? It's because Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia is a major oil producer. When they invaded Ukraine and all these countries said that they were not going to accept Russian oil, that pulled millions of barrels off the market. We also know that uh, the UK, that the EU are taking action again to stop the import of Russian fossil fuels. That may have an 
another impact. We've seen what OPEC has done. The point is, it's traded on a global market. We are subject to what global actions are doing, but we can't. We have the biggest supply of any country in the world, which is our strategic petroleum reserve. We have over 400 million barrels in it, and we're going to do what we can to try to stabilize prices in the United States. Yeah, no, Jen. Not on a, quote, wartime footing. What you guys are doing is setting us up for real trouble with China because China is licking its chops right now about Taiwan. And heck, as I understand it, part of the strategic reserves, they've been sold to China. No, the way you stabilize and, well, that's interesting too, stabilize prices in the United States. No, no, we don't want them stable at five bucks a gallon. We want them lower. And the way you do that to harvest your energy directly in the United States. Reopen all the oil fields shut down by this Biden bunch and the bumbling and the inflation will go down. But unless and until that's done, more trouble. When we come back, a topic you may have visited with other folks but it's my first chance to talk with you about the golden rule. Twenty-five minutes in front of three. Following the news at three, it'll be Brett Winterbull. Here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth honored to be in for Pete Callender, who is... Uh, taking uh, all sorts of steps to uh, regain his voice. And I'm happy to give voice to, uh, to my thoughts. And of course, you're welcome to give voice to your own opinion. 704-570-1110, toll free from any place. 1-800-928-1110. Earlier caller was lamenting the, uh, the control of narrative that the left has and that seems to have an effect, uh, well, not only in governance, but in politics. I believe that was, uh, I guess that was Joel. We had a wide-ranging conversation a little, early, a little earlier. Right now, I, I want to give you kind of an overview. And to me, it's not the single issue, but it's the issue that really touches every other issue uh, we confront in the United States. And uh, things have not been good with the Biden bunch in charge. Yep, efforts to erase our southern border are accelerating as Election Day approaches. The timing is absurdly dangerous. First and foremost, for the security of all American citizens, but actually also for the prospects of the Democratic Party. While the left will likely pay a political price for this deliberate effort to shred our sovereignty and our national security, the sheer brazenness of these latest actions should culminate with even larger Democrat losses in the midterms. The latest initiative from the Biden bunch, may, maybe you heard about it, I've nicknamed it, Americans Last. 
Alejandro Mayorkas, who in my mind has surpassed former Arizona Governor Janet Napolitano in the Hall of Shame as the worst Homeland Security Secretary of all time, has reportedly issued an all-bureaucrats bulletin requesting volunteers from every government agency to deploy to the border in support of the ongoing illegal invasion. These, quote, volunteers would be paid for their efforts and reimbursed for travel expenses with our tax dollars during their 60 days of service and they would essentially become personal assistants to illegal aliens. You heard me right. The volunteer duties outlined for these bureaucrats turned border volunteers would include meal preparation, basic housekeeping, and even running errands for what the left calls migrants for the people who are accurately called illegals. This is why whenever you hear somebody on the left say, we must secure the border, forget it. And if you're one who's paid attention to news, and I know in this information age, it's akin to like trying to use a little thin straw and take a drink from a fire hose, all the different stories that come at us, so really, this reaches back to April, and it was an underreported, therefore little-noticed initiative that at the time was focused exclusively on the employees of Homeland Security. What should make it news now, and even more of an election issue, is the effort to expand this peculiar type of volunteerism into every agency of the federal government. Look, it's bad enough that DHS workers are volunteering to destabilize our homeland security and they're supposedly providing that homeland security? I mean, after all, they work for the eponymously na named Department of Homeland Security. And here's the really outrageous thing. Now you and I could very well see personnel from the Departments of Defense and Justice taking a two-month sabbatical from their jobs to undercut both national security and existing immigration law. You can't make this up. But sadly in Washington, some folks are happy to back it up. Predictably, folks on the swamp, whether holding a government post or a reporting job, have rationalized this new policy as, <laughs> well, they've rationalized it as rational. Among members of the Washington press corps, there seems to be a very indulgent attitude of trusting the current crowd in charge. That trust the bureaucrats' outlook was on full display on Sunday during CNN's State of the Union. Now, the host of that program, the aptly named Dana Bash, hosted back-to-back -back interviews with Republicans, uh, pardon me, with Arizona's Republican nominee for governor, Carrie Lake, and the Democrat 
nominee for governor, Katie Hobbs. And see, Hobbs is running away from debates out in Arizona with Carrie Lake. So they brought on Carrie Lake first, and they asked her about the border. And Dana Bash cites a DHS statistic claiming that less than 1% of, as they call them, migrants encountered at the border have a criminal record. Well, the GOP candidate, Carrie Lake, out in Arizona, she was very nice. She politely took issue, but then responded, quote, We have a million gotaways. These are people who are intentionally entering our country, mainly through the Tucson sector, and we don't know what their background is. There's a reason to try to get in unnoticed. It's because they have a criminal background, close quote. Well, you, you took a look at uh, Dana Bash's face. She was kind of shaking her head, and uh, you saw the frustration and irritation. And then Dana Bash goes off, let me just tell you this stat, that, that this stat I just cited comes from the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, well, gee, duly noted, Dana. Of course, it should also be noted that there seems to be a profound disinterest on the part of many in the so-called mainstream media concerning the factually challenged assertions made of the Department of Homeland Security. For example, where was the coverage concerning Secretary Mayorkas and the knowingly false statements he made about the alleged whipping of illegals by Border Patrol agents on horseback? By the way, while we're on the subject, how many reports have appeared on CNN or the Alphabet Networks spelling out the details of late-night flights of illegals from the border to various cities around the country? Here's what I think. If the media refuses to hold these government officials accountable, voters will. That's why, because of these efforts to erase the southern border, Prepare for the electoral erasure of several Democrat incumbents on November 8th. Ten minutes before three, and the AFOR promoted Brett Winterbull, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth in for Pete Callender. And this is something I know you were talking about this. You know, we've been talking so much politics. I, I got to go back to my old roots as a sportscaster is one of the biggest washouts in Wolfpack history. Recruited as right tackle, ended up left out. Anyway, the whole football thing, when, when the news came late word that I was going to have the chance to uh, guest host for Pete, some of my pals were having a little fun at my expense saying, hey, J.D., uh, you, you uh, guys that wear red and white, you just can't handle uh, guys in orange, can you? I mean, look at what happened down at Death Valley a couple of weeks ago, and then this past Saturday, the orange men. And then they tried to take the sting out a little bit when they, when they said, yeah, well, it, it wasn't only you guys. I mean, look what happened to Alabama against the big orange over there in uh, Tennessee, and that took some of the sting out. And just here's a chance for me to rectify something, because I have a lot of dear friends and family who went to school in Chapel Hill. And even though my late great sainted mother was a Duke alumna, I got to give it, it's kind of like I'm choking on this, but I got to give the Tar Heels credit for that last minute win 
on uh, on Saturday night over at Duke. Man, so the Tar Heels got that victory bell and they won it in dramatic fashion. Congratulations <coughs> to Carolina. There's been something going on. If we take a look at the corporatization of football, both college football and for a long time in the professional ranks. But I got to tell you, recent weeks and recent events have shown me that that rather disrespectful joke, and you've heard it, teachers hate it, coaches hate it even more. You, you've heard this, right? I'm just offering it as an illustration. Those who can't do teach, and those who can't teach, teach gym. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, if, if you want to lump, and I know there are a lot of coaches who majored in something other than physical education, but we'll just take that sobriquet, calling them gym teachers. A whole lot of these guys, coaches, are making some big money even when they don't succeed. You know it best right there in Charlotte with the Panthers. What was it after week five? Matt Rule is shown the door. And the more we learned about Matt's deal, we'll call it a new golden rule. He signed that seven-year, $62 million gig, fully guaranteed. Wow. That means that Matt can, can sit around and collect $834,000 a month over the next 48 months. So if he's hanging around the house, he's got enough every month to build a brand new place. Now, the talk is that Matt Rule will go back to school, so to speak, return to coaching in the collegiate ranks, and you and I know that would please the Panthers, who would see that remaining 40 mil, quote, investment offset by any future head coaching wages paid to Matt Rule. And it's just very curious. And look, it happened with Lou Holtz. He had a misadventure. In fact, he, if you thought he left NC State because I signed with the Wolfpack, now he just took a great get. Leon Hess and the New York Jets gave Lou an opportunity that he felt he couldn't turn down. Well, he was there for what? A cup of coffee, then back in the collegiate ranks. And that's probably going to happen with, with Matt Rule. I think Matt's a good guy. I don't think he's a Lou Holtz. But I just take a look around. Not only is that big deal that Matt had in the NFL, but take a look at college coaches. Take a look at, uh, at Nebraska. Boy, I remember when I was the sports anchor down in Greenville, and after the, the 81 season, that, that uh, Orange Bowl to decide the national championship, Clemson versus Nebraska, and, of course, I later got to serve in Congress with Tom Osborne, who won more than his share of national championships, even though uh, Nebraska lost to Clemson in 81. The Cornhuskers were always in the running for a national championship, but things have not been that way lately. 
So back in 2018, they got the guy who quarterbacked them to a share of the national championship in 1997, Scott Frost, to take the gig in Lincoln. I mean, he was coming off that great year at uh, UCF, University of Central Florida. The Knights had an undefeated team down there in Orlando, but he gets home to Lincoln and things just don't work out. I mean, what, four losing seasons and then one win and two defeats this year. So the Cornhusker Athletic Director, Trev Alberts, actually, actually paid a favor to Scott Frost by canning Scott Frost in September. Scott got to pocket 15 million bucks. Had they waited to the big game with Oklahoma, because that was on October 1st, Scott Frost's payout would have been reduced by 50%. So there's Scott Frost walking out of the gig or dismissed from the gig with Nebraska, taking a settlement of $15 million. But wait! Wait, there's more in my backyard out in the desert. ASU, not Appalachian State University, Arizona State University. And remember, ASU spelled backwards, or USA spelled backwards, is ASU. Herm Edwards got canned in, in September. The Sun Devils have been under NCAA investigation. But it looks like old Herm is going to pocket, what, 10... 10.8 million? Well, you, you know the bottom line on this. It's real obvious. Remember people used to say, nice work if you can get it? No, 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 no. When it comes to football coaching, nice work if you can lose it, given those settlements. Been great being with you. Brett Winterbull is next for Pete Callender, J.D. Hayworth. Stay brave, stay free, stay tuned to News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT.